Welcome to the Once Upon a Leader in Africa podcast with George Nudu. We invite you to listen to influencers and opinion shapers narrating their experiences from their leadership roles in Africa, from the world of business, community development, government, corporate, social enterprise, among others. We will glean from their good, bad and ugly side of their leadership journey and be inspired to overcome adversity, to pursue success against all odds, to be a great leader and many other lessons. Welcome to the podcast and here's George Nudu. Hello, Masi. How are you? I'm very well indeed, George. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. It's great to be here. Right. I've been looking forward to talking to you. So, Masi, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Masi is a professional and uh, I have a legal training by background and I currently serve as a secretary to cabinet. This is a constitutional uh, role under Article 154 which enables me to identify and organize business for cabinet, ensuring that uh, the business that goes to cabinet is relevant. These are policies and uh, legislative pieces. And not only are they relevant in terms of uh, content, but they are also timely. Because, you know, even a very good thing brought to the fore rather late will just not fruition. Yeah. So it's been... Uh, an incredible time because in the early days of a new administration, there's a lot of very early priorities that need to be catered for in policy and legislation so that then it can be broken down for execution. Okay, well said. And before that, before you got this position, uh, tell us what are some of the opportunities you had in terms of work? Right. I have uh, had the opportunity to work in public service, private sector, and uh, multinational. And uh, I started off my career life as a practicing commercial lawyer, after which I then went into the multinational world as a tax and legal consultant in South Africa and uh, Kenya, and then joined the public service. And uh, as I speak now, the bulk of my career life has actually been in public service, where I worked as the regulator in the technology industry. And uh, this has been very, very exciting because, as you know, Kenya takes a leadership role in uh, technology matters globally. And uh, one of the flagships that Kenya brought to the world was the financial inclusion tool of M-Pesa. And uh, thereafter went on to demonstrate that technology put to use in very difficult times like COVID can actually be a backstop to enable business continuity and to enable life and uh, even education, commerce to, to carry on. So that's where I come from, getting into this role from the public service into the civil service. Seems there have been roles of leadership. And if I'm to ask you, which was your first leadership responsibility? That's a, an interesting one because um, I think I got to understand about formal leadership, perhaps into high school and going to university. But let me mention that I'm a first child and uh, you know what that comes with. Do this, do that, take charge of that. So I think it probably started on the home front. But uh, from a formal uh, perspective, I remember in high school, 
taking uh, lead roles, especially in technical leadership at the Science Congress and the Music Festival and getting loads of certificates because of uh, promoting novel projects and persuading for their adoption, as well as public speaking contests. And, and you know, I was able to go on all the way to the, to the national level. But uh, coming uh, into university life and uh, working life, Amanez and her fellow for Kenya 2006, which enabled me to join 25 other fellows from around the world, some from the political space, others in academia, private sector and government, and uh, proceeding to the United States for a period of time. And uh, this was a very remarkable time for me to identify what leaders like me look like from the rest of the world and to recognize that uh, the problems or challenges that we experience as a society are similar, are similar in nature. Perhaps the degree varies. And it also enabled me to see what possibilities lie if we are intentional and even collaborate with others because it's unlikely that you will encounter a problem that nobody else has ever uh, faced. I also went on to, um, after my law school, I have ended up as a, um, I would call it a lifelong Gumbaro learner at uh, Strathmore Business School where I'm the class vice president for the advanced uh, management class and the class president for the Women Development Leadership Program for 2020, um, 2022. And uh, thereafter, getting into a lot of board leadership roles, which is very much tied to my professional uh, background. So over the years, I have been a member of several boards in private sector, public sector, and the NGO uh, multinational space and a chair in some. And, uh, you know, coming on to my to my work life where I got to chair uh, a couple of uh, national task forces, perhaps one of note is the national task force on the policy on data protection, which I think we now begin to see uh, the results of implementation and uh, even the leadership in the COVID-19 ICT committee, which enabled bring technology to serve for business continuity for this country and also internationally at the UN, uh, the UN ITU, the International uh, Telecommunications Union, where I had the privilege to chair certain uh, task forces and meetings at the international level and uh, presently chairing the e-citizen implementation committee that is part of my role uh, to enable a government deliver services to citizens in a convenient manner. And uh, we have now seen the possibility to pay fees, to request for a service, to query uh, about the progress of something conveniently to enable you release the man hours that you would have used to travel from one place to another to utilize them in another productive facility. This is a, a, a project that is ongoing and uh, we hope to avail up to 20,000 services to citizens and get to a point where we can actually then ask citizens, is there something else that you wanted government to provide and for us to evaluate whether that service can be evaluated? You know, when you're a citizen of any country and perhaps particularly Kenya, you should sit in the space of pride to know that your government listens to you and it adjusts 
to accommodate the requests you make. That's a golden standard called customer delight. And that's where we are hoping to get because government is also in business. So true. And that's, I think I'm looking forward as a Kenyan citizen yes. to be in that space. Yes. Really good. Absolutely. And thank you for really just giving us your journey, your leadership journey. Yeah. So as a leader, what are some of the attributes you bring that uh, you have seen work for you and make you really uh, execute your roles? I think when I look at my style of, of working, I like to work on projects that I like because then uh, I'm able to bring all of myself and energy. I think I'm very energetic in driving something. Of course, there are those then who will say you're stretching us too much, but uh, perhaps it is in that uh, granular detail that you're able to really progress something. And uh, I think my leadership journey has been characterized with a lot of nudging and pushing issues to be able to cross over to the next level of something. And uh, I would attribute that to as a sense of urgency and persistence to be able to realize that picture that is in my mind. I am an artist and I tend to think things in a very, in, in pictures, I would say. And uh, it gives me a lot of pride to be able to see something move from a certain form to a higher form. And especially if we are able to move it together in an inclusive manner so that we are able to own it and everybody is able to see their handprints, their fingerprints on the project. So when you, when you do such a thing, what are the things that you enjoy as you lead? I think first of all, is just uh, the moments that come into it. As a result of some of the work I've done uh, being in the public space, in Kenya, you're required to undertake stakeholder consultation or public participation. It is a constitutional requirement. And some of my highest moments have been to see my team and other teams collaborating to rally, to, uh, to explain and create awareness around a certain policy proposal or a legislative proposal what the benefits are, and uh, to give comfort. Uh, because in every piece of proposal, there's usually those who will see the positive and those who will see the downside. And that has really characterized some of the very high moments uh, for me, that uh, what you can do alone may be much, but what you can do in a team is unbelievable, is unimaginable. And uh, there have been moments, uh, I remember in 2013, we engaged in a massive legislative process to adjust uh, the, the ICT legislation to the new constitution, the constitution 2010. And that was a very stretched out process. The creative tension was tighter than I had ever experienced it. Only for that proposal to go all the way to the Supreme Court in litigation and the Supreme Court had to pronounce itself. That was really a high moment for me to see what can happen as a country tries to pave uh, a path, you know, perhaps through what you would call uncharted waters. Wow. That was a highlight. That was a highlight. That was a real highlight for me. Any other highlight or that's the highest highlight for you? There have been other highlights. When I reflect uh, around COVID-19, 
and uh, you know and recall with a lot of sadness the damage that it brought it also ignited something new uh for Kenya because if you remember in the very early days uh of covid there was a lot of confusion and we didn't know what to do then i was leading our the ICT regulator and we quickly got together as a team and had to come up with a business continuity process where we turned the tv screens into classrooms and you would open the tv and find standard 4 mathematics geography for standard 6 kind of thing the radios also vacated their programs to give way to learning uh, and we did this through the regulatory directives and uh, this was designed to cater for families who had all been pushed to the house and uh, you cannot go anywhere you cannot be in contact with anyone uh it was designed to cater for families to ensure that children did not regress in their education so that they could sort of carry on their learning we also issued a regulatory directives to enable uh Kenyans to watch all the premium uh content that was available in the premium rate providers so it meant that you could watch your bookie and others and sort of stay at home that was a highlight to see the 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 power of public good brought in in a situation that is ravaging uh the world this was the first time many people shopped online uh, it was the first time many people got online in webinars and all this kind of thing and it gave kenya a competitive edge because our quality of service stayed high and because of that we were actually used to commence a lot of communications internationally and uh, i was very delighted because the united nations picked this up kenya was the first country in sub saharan africa to take this kind of direction and we were recognized and used as a model to share with others because if you recall during covid there was that agency to put things in order so that people would keep in in one place of course what that has done now moving forward to today is the heavy adoption of technology that we see all around uh which has enabled a lot more uh participation and engagement in business and commerce because of the experience and the value add that people experience that wow so true i mean during that period how of things came and we were right forced we were forced we were overnight overnight but overnight. the adoption was good you know even yes. like churches oh yeah things like yes. churches yes. could could pastors couldn't believe people are not coming to meet right. in the building but then now the online and that was quite effective and even other services right so you know as I, as i hear you talking and sharing with such passion um what what keeps your leadership edge sharp what what keeps you excited i'm i'm a lifelong learner and uh, i i i'm very keen curious to learn uh new things and uh, my present environment is very enabling of that because of uh, handling up to 24 portfolios from which business is generated so i think the possibility of uh, availing learning whether it be in class or books or online uh this has really kept me on the edge and hearing all manner of uh, of of new things i particularly uh, really appropriate uh, technology to learn 
and I'm a great learner from podcasts and uh, YouTube and uh, all this kind of thing. And I think it's been very, very beneficial. Of course, uh, the world right now is uh, experiencing a lot of issues and it demonstrates just how integrated we are on the global scene and the need to then be very aware, not just of what is happening in your local space, in the hood, but to go beyond. Because now we know that uh, something, a fracture that happens one million kilometers away can actually have a real direct and urgent impact on you. So true. So true. I mean, just to say this, uh, coaching also, I remember right. you right. engaging in that. That's right. Cool. Yes. I'm a beneficiary of coaching. And actually that really inspired me because when I saw some of the changes that happened for me, I then realized that part of my growth journey is to grow others. And uh, I availed myself of the learning, and indeed you were one of my instructors at some point, uh, to learn the technique and the skill of coaching, because coaching can unlock tremendously. And this has been very beneficial for me and even by me to others, because uh, in every team, there are always those who are ahead, those who are in the middle, and those who are a little behind. And uh, even in that coaching, I have come to realize as I coach others or even get into learning sessions, teaching lessons with others, I'm now also a beneficiary of coaching or learning, especially from younger people. Technology is moving so quickly that, uh, you know, some of the people who really keep me on my toes and introduce new things to me are uh, my colleagues who are 15 years younger than me. So I'm also a beneficiary of reverse coaching as it were. That's so true. That's so true. When it comes to considering the best leadership advice you've ever received, what would you say that is? Oh, there's been a lot um, through the years. But uh, one of the best uh, leadership uh, stories and the nuggets that I have received is around the importance of asking powerful questions. That's actually uh, a technique that also comes through coaching because you do not always have to know everything. But sometimes there's a sense in which that uh, perhaps it's a societal thing that because you're a leader, you became a leader because you know everything. And as a result, you then try to position like you know everything. But actually, it is okay not to know everything. What's important is to know what questions to ask and who to ask them so that you're then able to interpret what that means to enable decision-making going forward. I think that piece of advice was a liberator for me because I think the spaces that I have been in I felt I would be very vulnerable if I did, if I appeared like I did not know something. But that now gave me the freedom to ask, to ask questions, to ask for help, and to even ask what other resources uh, would be available that I can continue to pursue this issue at my own time. That I think was really life-saving advice. It is so true what you're saying. You know, this myth that a leader knows everything. Right. 
and they are scared to ask. And they're scared to ask and they, they need to look, you know, like they just have the answer to everything. It's not real. It's not. It's, it's not. And, and things are complex and businesses are complex. People come in with different skill sets and uh, you get uh, guidance and advice from the most unusual uh, sources. Hence the importance of questions. Yeah. Yes, asking questions. Yes. No, I mean, as you talked about your leadership roles and responsibility that you've held, you know, both locally, regionally, and even globally, at these various stages, you know, mm. does it, your leadership approach remain the same or it shifts? What can you say? Um, I am a proponent of situational leadership because there are moments when you sit and you want to carry everybody and you're ready to take the time to hear the different views as you continue to move forward. There are also other situations where you have to be very directive, especially when uh, there's an urgency or there's a crisis, you certainly cannot afford to sit and consult uh, broadly. And there are other situations where you will even give in to a certain approach, which you may not necessarily believe in, but because of the big picture, focus, you'd rather go that way, you will be able to reroute at another uh, point in time. So it really depends. Uh, and uh, I recall uh, during COVID, because this was the unprecedented moment, and decisions that ordinarily would have taken maybe three weeks, four weeks, were required to be made in two days. And often, some preliminary arrangements needed to be put in place as you wait for the next, because as the regulator then of an essential services provider, time was of the essence and we were in a crisis. At that point, you could be nothing else but directive and consultations were kept at a minimum and uh, decisions that were being made then were often make or break. That taught me a powerful lesson that, as I said earlier, you don't have to know uh, everything. It also made me realize that it's important to be uh, comfortable with ambiguity because often you want to have all the information in order, all your ducks in a row in order to make a decision. Do you have that privilege in a pandemic? No. You often need to move with the little information that you have having done the best effort to validate that information and move on, review as you go. And if you recognize that actually you could have taken a better route, recognize that it's okay to reflect and beat a retreat and take an alternative route. It is okay to change your mind. It's okay. It's okay to change your mind. And indeed, they say only a fool does not change his mind. You know, this podcast is really about once upon a leader in Africa and I like to hear right. people's view on when it comes to this wonderful continent of ours and, and you know leadership is important and you've been at advantage point you know from your from your experience and exposure in various roles you've held yes. so for Africa and even for now you know you interact with leaders from this wonderful continent of ours what do we need what kind of leadership do we need or do we need to looking forward to develop, to make us achieve what that God wants us to achieve? Oh, that's a wonderful question because as an African and uh, as African woman, I feel that Africa is in a 
good time because in these years, we have seen that uh, populations can now participate equally. Males and females are now pulling chairs to the table. I would hope in an even more equal fashion as we go forward, but certainly we have come from far. We have come from far and we need to recognize the gains that have been made in the gender inclusion discussion. So I bring that to the table as a positive, that both males and females can bring in their different perspectives to the myriad of issues that need to be addressed on the African stage. Two, Africa is a very productive continent. It's got rich soils, rich minerals. We know that whole trajectory about colonialism and the minerals and things like that. And the time has come for us to appropriate for ourselves. I listen in a lot on the new conversations that are happening around uh, climate change. And indeed, it's a time for Africa. The carbon credits and the green energy, the recent summit that was held to move away from fossil fuels uh, to green energy. What does that mean for Africa with its landscapes, its huge forests and, and grasslands? What exactly does that mean? It is an opportune time for Africa. So I think that Africa is now ready for a leader who is willing to pay the price today for a long-term view. And it's time to move away from quick fixes, quick wins, and actually, as they say, tie your belts and prepare for the ride, for the long-term benefit. Because uh, when you look at uh, different scenarios in Africa, a lot of uh, opportunities have sometimes been lost because of pursuing a short-term gain, which perhaps could have been slightly delayed in order to exercise a long-term gain. Mm -hmm. It's time for Africa to get a leader who is willing to get their hands dirty, get into the detail and push for movement so that the dial begins to move. You know, um, George, I don't know uh, which generation you were in, but when I was in primary school, I do recall Water for All Kenyans by year 2000. And we still have homes that do not have this water. We are now towards the tail end of Vision 2030. I wonder what percentage or proportion of this Vision 2030 will have been executed for the benefit of Kenyans as we move forward. And even as I say that, talking about the benefit for Kenyans, recognizing that perhaps today, can you quite talk about uh, a vision that is very country specific in a highly integrated world? It is time to elevate to the sustainable development goals because they are more integrated and you can only move so much faster than your neighbor or the rest of your ecosystem, the other countries. It's time to collaborate and have conversations in a sober way and to move very deliberately to execute for results. You know, earlier on talking to you to you before we started this, you talked about execution. Yes. Since that's something, let's talk to us a bit yes. about that. I yes. think you're passionate about it. Yes, I tend to talk a lot about execution, especially in this space, because the role I run right now is a very much uh, a business unit. It actually is a corporate unit within uh, central government. And uh, as you very well know, 
a business unit runs on KPIs and parameters and results and value add. So when I speak about execution, I really want to cut the chase and really go to find out what was meant to be done by who, when, and with what resources and were we able to achieve within those margins. And I recognize government is complex. Indeed, any business is complex. But uh, when you're able to identify early that there might be a challenge in achieving something, I recognize that as a strength, actually, because it enables a conversation in time for corrective action to address the issue and see what adjustments you need to make so that you keep the show on the road. But unfortunately, you will find that in all that complexity and in the sum of moving parts, sometimes some things are let go for too long and it becomes almost impossible to recover. We must avoid that at all costs. And the only way to do that is to actually have leaders in their various spaces being authentic enough to own up when things are not working as they should so that it allows everybody to pull together that we are able to keep things together and they, you know, still address the goal that we all have. Well, well said, well said. When he talks about metaphor, you get to use a metaphor or an image or something. You said you're an artist. Yes, I am. So you have to draw your picture of a leader. <laughs> How would that look like? Yes, I, um, I like that question because I tend to really be very visual and thinking in pictures. But what has come to mind for me over the years I think the metaphor that comes to me is that of a potter because I have tried my hand at pottery over the years and it's amazing how you're very deliberate in turning the machine to make the pot and at the moment when you think it has just made the perfect curve, one wrong move and the whole thing collapses. I love the potter's image because a potter and the clay is always an opportunity for a second chance is always an opportunity for expression. Whether you're making a pot or a bowl or a plate, it's always an opportunity. And if it doesn't work the first time around, you can always redo it. But then, because a potter is creative, is curious, and is an innovator, sometimes I ask, who said that a pot must be a perfect round shape? You know, who exactly told us that? Because even a pot that is slightly a bit askew, will still perform the role. And uh, sometimes I think that maybe we should get out of the perfection because even the round pot, maybe it had another shape at another time and to keep moving and to keep working at the skill, at the trade, and who knows what you might discover along the way. Well said. Well said. In terms of legacy for you, what legacy would you want to leave behind? That's a good one. And um, I think that legacy question has changed over the years. But uh, looking at the present moment, I see a heavy influence on leverage on the digital platform in the things that I have been involved in, particularly um, over the last uh, maybe 10 years, I would say. The world has moved very much to integrate digital platforming delivery of services whether it's in business or it is within uh, government, and even how our children are growing up utilizing the, the platform. One of the legacies I hope to leave, and I keep 
committing to and working towards is towards a safe space for children and technology. That uh, child online protection would be something that uh, would ring fence that space for productivity, for children to exploit their talents, and even make meaning and careers out of it. A lot of movement is happening within that space, and I'm proud that I continue to play my role in that. Of course, I continue to play my role in other broader and more complex projects. And I want to see what Kenya will look like in the next 10 years, in the next 15 years, just how transformed it will be through the technology platform and what that will enable for all of us. I think we are at a, at a good space. You know, we are at a good mm-hmm. space where we are seeing things changing. And you know, somebody said technology is an equalizer. You know, like the yes, world. Yes, it is. It's an equalizer. It's an equalizer. And you know, earlier on you talked about even just the MPESA, that financial yes. it It has put Kenya at a very good place. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, so for you, I can just imagine you're at that space where you're seeing transformation and it's moving very fast. It's moving so fast. Sometimes it's difficult to wrap your mind um, around it. Did you know uh, driverless cars were launched? Yes. And a lot of debate is emerging around that driverless car because it uses a lot of sensors and algorithms to get you from one place uh, to another. What happens if it gets the directions wrong? Who do you call? Because as a human being, you prefer to talk to somebody and tell them how to change the route. But so many things are happening and uh, this is opening up a lot of possibilities. Um, In particular, I see the place of technology and uh, youth, women, persons with disabilities. This is a new frontier for them in e-commerce in exploitation and showcasing of their talents and skills. And now we begin to see a lot more where you find a musician or a creative artist from another country is very popular in another country. That would never have been possible in the analog space where movement was rather limited. But because technology allows for real-time participation, you can no longer say that your fan base is in your backyard. Your fan base could be so far away, it's unimaginable. And I continue to play my role in that space to execute and bring to the fore solutions that would come to serve the public and to solve practical problems and generate productivity as we go on. Wow. Part of your legacy. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. So even as we conclude, um, just listening to your story, your journey and the nuggets that you've shared with us. What's the moral of your leadership story? Oh, I haven't uh, ever thought about that. But uh, now that you ask, I think one of the morals of my leadership story is no matter the circumstances, you just must keep walking. You just must keep walking because you do not know what is just around the corner. And if you give up just a little too soon, you might miss the great possibility that uh, was presenting. Just keep walking. Um, And the second thing I think of is keep learning and committing to handle harder, better. Because business is complex. The world is getting complex 
by the day, but we are also improving our abilities and functionalities to handle hard things in a better way. That, I think, would be the moral of the story. And I would frame it in an African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. Well said. Well said. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye? This has been very nice, uh, actually, uh, having this conversation. My final thoughts would be to say, no matter how exciting what you're doing is, or how difficult it is, you must recognize the point at which you need to pause, pause and reflect, because it is in that reflection that the most incredible genius thoughts come out and different perspectives that provide easy solutions to something that you thought before was a huge elephant um, in the room. This is something, um, is a note to self, actually, that uh, I would always take the opportunity to pause to seek out a different view, to reflect on those thoughts, and then plan a way forward. That would be my parting thought. And to also thank you for the opportunity and the platform to share. You know, George, I listened to quite a bit of your podcast, and um, I have continued to learn and hear some incredible information on them. I think that's a beautiful service that you bring to us. Thank you, and keep it up. Thank you so much and all the best and wish you success Thank and may your legacy come true. Thank you. Thank right. you. Thank you. Thank you very much and bye for now. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us in today's podcast. We hope you're leaving with insights that will help you live and lead better. We appreciate our sponsors, BNG Consultants Limited and BNG Center for Leadership Coaching for keeping us on air. Bye for now. See you in our next episode.